Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. Good morning, good morning, Fusion Church. All right, it's Motorational Friday. Everybody's doing the the dance of joy because Friday is finally here, especially if you had a rough week, you know, but God is in control. God is good. God is wonderful. We are in 2 Samuel 14 today. Amen. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it all, God. Thank you for this opportunity. This time, oh Lord God, I pray for those who are watching and listening. I pray that you would just speak to us, that it be you, not us. I thank you, Father God, in advance for all that you have done and all that you're doing and all that you're going to continue to do. And we ask all this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. If you need to stretch, go ahead and do that. All right. And my lovely Sandra, you'll be reading this morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Amen. Yeah. Okay. All right, so I'm in the NIV version, um, Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 14, starting with verse 1. It says, Joab, son of Zariah, knew that the king's heart lo- longed for Absalom. So Joab sent someone to Tekoa and had a wise woman brought from there. He said to her, pretend you're in mourning, dress in mourning clothes, and don't use any cosmetic lotions. Act like a woman who has spent many days grieving for the dead. Then go to the king and speak these words to him. And Joab put the words in her mouth. When the woman from Tekoa went to the king, she fell with her face to the ground to pay him honor. And she said, help me, O king. The king asked her, what is troubling you? She said, I am indeed a widow. My husband is dead. I, your servant, had two sons. They got into a fight with each other in the field, and no one was there to separate them. One struck the other and killed him. Now the whole clan has risen up against your servant, they say. Hand over the one who struck his brother down so that we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed. Then we will get rid of the heir as well. They would put out the only burning coal I have left leaving my husband neither name nor descendant on the face of the earth. The king said to the woman, go home and I will issue an order in your behalf. But the woman from Tekoa said to him, my lord, the king, let the blame rest on me and and on my father's family and let the king and his throne be without guilt. The king replied, If anyone says anything to you, bring him to me and he will not bother you again. She said, then let the king invoke the Lord, his God, to prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction so that my son will not be destroyed. As surely as the Lord lives, he said, not one hair of your son's head will fall to the ground. Then the woman said, let your servant speak a word to the Lord 
to the to my lord the king. Speak, he replied. The woman said, Why then have you devised a thing like this against the people of God? When the king says this, does he not convict himself? For the king has not brought back his banished son. Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But God does not take away life. Instead, he devises ways so that a banished person may not remain estranged from him. And now I have come to say this to my lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. Your servant thought, I will speak to the king. Perhaps he will do what his servant asks. Perhaps the king will agree to deliver his servant from the hand of the man who's trying to cut off both me and my son from the inheritance God gave us. And now your servant says, may the word of my, my lord, the king, bring me rest. For my Lord, the King is like an angel of God in discerning good and evil. May the Lord, your God, be with you. Then the King said to the woman, do not keep me from, do not keep from me the answer to what, to what I'm going to ask you. Let my Lord, the King speak. The woman said, the King said, isn't the hand of Joab with you in all this? The woman answered, as surely as you live, my lord, the king, no one can turn to right or left from anything my lord, the king says. Yes, it was your servant, Joab, who instructed me to do this and who put all these words into the mouth of your servant. Your servant, Joab, did this to change the present situation. My lord has wisdom like that of an angel. He knows everything that happens in the land. The king said to Joab, very well, I will do it. Go back, the young man excuse me, bring back the young man, Absalom. Joab fell with his face to the ground to pay him honor, and he blessed the king. Joab said, today your servant knows that he has found favor in your eyes, my lord, the king, because the king has granted his servant's request. Then Joab went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said, he must go to his own house. He must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of the king. In all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no blemish in him. Whenever he cut his hair from his head, he used to cut his hair from time to time. When it became too heavy for him, he would weigh it and it would weigh. And its weight was 200 shekels by the royal standard. Three sons and a daughter were born to Absalom. The daughter's name was Tamar, and she became a beautiful woman. Absalom lived years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face. Then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab refused to come to him. So he sent a second time, but he refused to come. Then he said to his servants, look, Joab's field is, in, is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab did go to Absalom's house, and he said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom said to Joab, Look, I sent word to you and said, Come here so I can send you to the king and ask, Why have I come to Geshur? It would be better. For me, if I were still there. Now then, I want to see the king's face. And if I'm guilty of anything, let him put me to death. So Joab went to the king and told him this. 
Then the king summoned Absalom, and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Amen. Oh, yeah. Papa, you're on mute. Okay, let me start that all over again. All right, Sandra, all right. And here we go, you know. This sounds like a soap opera, you know, this particular chapter, where all the sneakiness that was taking place. Uh, you have Joe up here, the Zana, uh, Zariah, you know, he, he he perceived that the heart, that the king's heart was saddened about Absalom. So if you remember, you know, uh, David, David was just grieving over Abnon, his son, you know, so back in 2 Samuel 13, 39. Who Absalom had killed over the rape of his of his sister Tamar. So you see already, this there's, there's so much going on. You know, his son, you know, raped his sister. Then the other son came and killed and killed, had him killed. You know, so he was, and then and then uh, Absalom, you know, he left. He left. So Absalom was away. You know, precisely three years at this moment. And uh, and Joab, one of David's commanders you know, and a general of Israel, you know, he was pretty much the uh, the number one guy for David. He was the hatchet man. He did all the dirty stuff. He did all the behind the scenes stuff that David uh, needed to take place. And he was the one also that King uh, David told to put Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, in the front line to be killed. So he was doing, you know, the work that David was doing. So, it, you know, so when I, I'm reading all this and I'm putting all this together, I said like, wow, what a, what a lot of stuff is going on. What a, what a dysfunctional family this is. You know, ain't no perfect family. You know, we have good ones. We have no so good ones. We have the ones that like to talk, ones that are quiet. So there's no perfect family. And we're seeing it here. We're seeing it here with all of this. But the number one thing here is that Joab thought that if he can cheer up the king, he was going to gain favor. He had ulterior motives, you know, and, and, and with that is we need to be careful with whom we keep company with. We need to be careful to win whom we are hanging out with. You know, we need to be careful to whom we are listening to, because not everyone has your best interest at heart, you know, and that was Joab. Joab, his, he had his own interest. He wanted, he, you know, he wanted fame. He wanted prosperity. So he was figuring out, if I can make the king happy, you know, I'm going to gain something. So it says there in verse two, and Joab sent to uh, Tikioa, you know, this was a town that was about five miles away to bring a wise woman. And he told her, please pretend to be mourning, 
you know, and, and wear morning clothes and do not put no oil, no, don't put no fragrance at you. Act like you have been mourning for a long, long time. So he got the best actress he can possibly get to come and act this way before the king. And then he tells her, go to the king and speak to him in this manner. So Joab put the words in her mouth. So he wrote the script. He wrote the script exactly how he wanted her. You know, and all of this was just to influence the king to bring Absalom back to Jerusalem because Joab thought if their son, if his son was back, he'll be happy. And I have favor if his son was back. You know, and it says in verse 4, and when the woman of Tekua spoke to the king, he said that she fell in her face to the ground and prostrated and said, oh, help me, kid, help me, help me, help me. No, she was a good actress. You know, they, they were given awards, you know, she probably would have gotten one of those little awards, one of those little trophies, you know, because she was acting, she acted like she was seeking uh, David's, you know, judgment on this matter. She wanted to bring him in. She wanted to bring him into it so she could see what, so he could see what she was thinking. And then she brings up the story about her two sons, that her two sons were fighting one another. And one struck the other one in verse six and killed them, you know. And now that, that this happened, you know, her husband is dead. One son killed the other son, another big soap opera, right? It, you know, and one killed the other one. And then she says, the woman says in four, uh, and, and verse seven, he says, the woman's family, you know, was seeking to cure her son. By doing so, she would lose her estate because there wouldn't be no one to carry on the name. The males were the ones supposed to be the ones carrying on the name, you know, and to keep the house together, you know. So she brought this sad story to the king, and the king is thinking about this. Then the king said to the woman, go to your house, and I will give the orders concerning you. You know, so David, pretty much, he was assuring her, you know, that he will issue an, a command protecting her son, you know. So, you know, so she wheeled him in. She threw the hook out there, and David brought it, hook and sinker, and everything goes in between, you know. And uh, and she said, and she said, uh, she said in verse 9, she says, let this sin be upon me. In other words, she was putting more emphasis. I take responsibility for my son so that my son can live. I take responsibility so that you can help him. So, you know, so she was putting all this emphasis, in, uh, you know, so, and the king was already assuring her, assuring her that everything's going to be fine. Meanwhile, he doesn't really know the whole story. He doesn't really know what was behind it, you know. So he goes into verse 11, he says, then she said, you know, after the king has said all this, he says, please let the king remember the Lord your God and do not permit the avenger of blood to destroy anymore, lest they destroy my son. So she's making that emphasis. She wanted him to, to, uh, to, to say something even more, you know, commanding than this. And she said, and he said to her, as the Lord lives, not one hair on your son shall fall to the ground. So, you know, so she got him to say these words, that not one hair. And we have to remember, if some, back in the old days, you know, if you kill somebody, if you kill somebody, your next of kin had the right to go after that person. And that person was the avenger of blood. But here we even see it in David, that David, you know, even though his son had his brother killed, you know, there was nobody held accountable. 
you know. So anyway, so you know, and the king and the and the son just left Jerusalem, you know. So there was not there was no accountability. So even here, you can see that it was out of order, you know. Everything was out of order, you know. So but he already so here, you know, she even mentions that to him. Yeah, out of order. And if you look at Numbers thirty five nineteen, it says the avenger of blood himself shall put to shall put shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. He shall put him to death. So the avenger of blood that was his responsibility to bring vengeance, and that's what she was bringing before the king. And the woman said in verse thirteen. So the woman say. Why then have you, you know, because David said, okay, I'm going to protect you. I got your son covered. You know, he's going to be fine. So now she says, so the woman said, then why have you shamed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks of this as one who is guilty. So she's trying for him to remember what he, you know, what's going on, that, that the king does not bring his banished son back home again. So she brings it up. She brings up that, that your son, you know, your son's not even in the kingdom. You know, your son's over there. The woman compares what the king said to her about her son to what he did with Absalom. You know, that he, you know, should bring his son back. You know, so she's trying to convince him of all. And, I, and again, all of this was part of Joab's, you know, plan, you know, because he wanted to make the king happy. He was conniving. He was being sneaky about this, you know, you know, and, and, and so, so with all this, as she was speaking, David was, was discerning what was going on. And then something, uh, a light went off in his head in, uh, in verse 19. And he said, he says, so the king said, is it the hand of Joab with you in all this? He brought up his name, you know, he brought up the man's name because he knew who Joab was. He knew what Joab was capable of doing, you know, and all this. And the woman said, as you live, my Lord, the king, no one can turn to the right hand, nor to the left, anything that the Lord has, has spoken. For your servant Joab commanded me and put these words in my mouth, you know. So she confesses that, yes, he was. It was Joab that had her do that. You know, so he discerned what was going on. But yet, even though he figured it all out, guess what David, King David does? He does exactly what Joab wants. You know, he heeded to Joab. You know, he did. And the king said to Joab, all right, in verse 21, I have granted this thing. Go, therefore, and bring this young man back. Bring Absalom back. You know, bring him back. So he, you know, he sees what's going on. But yet he doesn't do anything else but says, okay, you know, you know. And sometimes, you know, we can't listen to what people are saying if they're not really speaking the word of the Lord to us. If they're not really, if it's not scripture based, if it's not, you know, if it's, God's not really speaking to you, then we got to be careful that we watch who we listen to. And it says in verse 24, and the king said, let him return to his own house, but do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but did not see the king's face. So in other words, you know, he said, you could bring him. He can go home to his house, you know, to his house. And he would not see my face. 
You know, so, th- so in verse 28, it says, And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. Wow. Dysfunctional, huh? <laughs> Dysfunctional. You know, because he wanted, the King David was torn about his uh, his son, that for Abnon, who was killed, you know, by Absalom. And he grieved for him. And now, and now that, and then Absalom, at the, at the left Jerusalem, for three years, he comes back and he spends two more years in Jerusalem. And yet the king did not see him face to face, you know. And, 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 and when you think about it, I say like, wow, look at this mess, you know, because David, David, you know, his son, Abner, you know, who was, you know, he was killed because he raped his sister back in chapter 13. Absalom has Abner killed. For that rape in 13 in chapter 13, verse 28. David himself, you know, had an innocent man killed by putting him in the front line at Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba. So you see all of this stuff that goes on, all of this stuff that's taking place in this family, in this family, but yet God still had a plan. But all of this dysfunction, all this stuff that took place. All the sneakiness of Joab, because Joab was only thinking about himself. He was only thinking about himself. But, you know, David, even though he allowed things to occur, David was not perfect. You know, King David, you know, he had issues. He had his own issues. You know, he did not always obey the Lord. Because when he should have been out fighting with his men, he stayed home. You know, and if he would have, and if he would have gone out fighting with his men, he would not have been tempted by Bathsheba. <laughs> you know, so there wouldn't have been that opportunity. But David, you know, he was not perfect. But the one thing about David is that the Lord says that he's one after his own heart. Wow. And you know, you think about it. Back in First Samuel uh, thirteen fourteen, and this is where when King Saul and the sin against the Lord, you know, in the temple. And says, but now your kingdom, he's telling kings out, shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, speaking about David, speaking about David. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. So the Lord considered David a man after his own heart. But then you think about it, a man after his own heart, and he has done all this stuff. He has allowed this to occur in his home, in his family. You know, he did not fulfill the law that he should have been fulfilled, you know, but he was, he's a, the Lord sees the heart. Because the one thing about David, David always repented. David always repented. Every time he made a mistake, every time. And and it's beautiful because when you look at, when you look at Psalms 51, you know, if Psalms 51 is is, is David's prayer of repentance. David's prayer of repentance. And I know like some of you, I have recited certain portions of this prayer myself, you know, when I'm reading and I'm studying the word. And it says in, 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 in Psalms 51 verse 1, it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. It's, it's so beautiful because 
His first thoughts of said, Lord, have mercy. He's acknowledging that he needs mercy. He's acknowledging that he needs God. This is David. He says, blot out my transgressions, blot out my sins. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Your tender mercies, Lord. He's not talking about men's mercy. He's saying your tender mercy. He says in verse 2, wash me uh, thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sins. So he's telling the Lord, wash me, cleanse me. You know, remove this mark from me. Remove this from me. And in verse 3, he says, for I acknowledge my transgression. He admits that he has made mistakes and we ourselves, you know, we have to make sure that we admit when we make mistakes, we have to admit it because if we don't admit it, that means we're going to have a, a sin that we're not, that that's not being exposed, you know, but David acknowledged the fact that he has transgression. And the thing about it is it's transgressions with an S more than one, more than one, but yet the Lord calls him a man after his own heart. How much does the Lord cause you uh, a child after his own heart, as a brother and a sister after his own heart? We are his children also. And he says in verse 10, oh, there, verse 10, created me a clean heart. Oh, yes. Oh, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In other words, change my heart, Lord. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Create this new heart so that I can worship you again. Because I don't know about you. Because when I have messed up, and if I don't go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness, I have a hard time praying. I have a hard time worshiping. Because why? Because there's something out of order. For he calls us to come to him, to know that we have an advocate, which is him. That we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. He forgives us. He washes up from all iniquity and all our sins. And then he creates a new heart. You know, and renews a steadfast spirit, renews our strength, praise God, renews our strength. And he said, do not cast me away from your presence. No, Lord, do not, do not walk away from me, Lord. David is saying, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So keep him there. In other words, keep your presence with me, Lord. I cannot, I cannot function without your presence. This is David's prayer. No wonder he had, the Lord says that he's a man after his own heart. Because why? Because he knew when he messed up. And even though sometimes it took him a while to figure it out that he messed up, because sometimes he would try to hide it. He didn't want to admit it. Sometimes the, the priest had to go to him and, and point it out to him. You know, just like when he killed Bathsheba's husband. You know, that it needed to be pointed out. But guess what? Once it was pointed out, once his eyes were open, he repented and he went before the Lord and the Lord forgave him. And he says in verse 12, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore unto me. And guess what? And the Lord will restore. And the Lord has restored him. It's beautiful that we serve a God. That even though we can mess up, and even though sometimes we, we can even take advice from somebody, that will cause us to mess up. But when we turn to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. He washes us. He cleanses us. He renews us. He refreshes us. And not only that, but then he will acknowledge you. 
that you are his son, that you are his daughter, just like he did with David. Now, now Joab, you know, even though he was conniving, even though he was uh, the uh, one of uh, David's generals and all that, at the end of it all, at the end of it all, when David was older, you know, he spoke to his son Solomon, and he said, remember Joab? You need to do something about that. And Solomon had him killed. So he paid. He paid. He thought he was getting away all this time, all of these years. You know, sin is sin, you know, and Joab had a multitude of them, you know, and Moab thought, and Joab thought that he can get away with all this stuff. And at the end, it caught up with him. At the end, it caught up with him. And even David, even David should have done something a lot sooner with Joab. He should have. Because even at one time, David removed him as being his general. And guess what? In the heat of a battle that they were in, he, <laughs> he killed the general. Joab killed that general. And then David made him the general again. You know, so it's a lot of stuff. You know, you think about it. I said, like, man, where are, you, where, are you, where are you coming from? Why are you thinking that way? Why did you do that? But it's just to show that even David, a man after God's own heart, you know, he had his weaknesses. He had his frailties. You know, he messed up. But on top of all that, he always turned to the Lord and said, Lord, forgive me. And, and Psalms 51, when you get a chance, you know, just, just you know, you know, go through, read that chapter. Because it just brings us right back, back to the understanding of who is this God that we serve. How merciful he is. How, how much he, he, want, he, he wants to give us more of his mercies, more of his love. He, he will wash us. He will cleanse us. He will acknowledge us. He will create a new heart in us. You know, you know he will restore us with the joy of our salvation. So my brothers and sisters, if you today, this Friday morning, are dealing with something that, you, that is very difficult for you, you know, just turn to the Lord. Surrender it to the Lord. Because he is faithful to restore the joy of your salvation. He is faithful to give you strength to take you to the next step, to the next level. He is faithful because he is present. He is there. And even here that we can see in this, what, I, what I call such a soap opera chapter, you know, for me, with all this stuff that was taking place. You know, and 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 the manipulation of people trying to to get a position, trying to make themselves look good, you know, and and thinking that they are doing good, and then the man, the man of God, seeing all this, yet doesn't do anything. It shows that we are all human. We are all human, and we all can make mistakes. I have made mistakes. You know, I'm not perfect. You know. But then for God, when we turn to the Lord and we say, Lord, forgive us, the Lord restores us. The Lord cleanses us. The Lord renews us and gives us favor and gives us his peace and gives us his joy and gives us his love to continue to go forward. And my brothers and sisters, if you're going through something this week, I pray that the Lord will strengthen you. I pray that the Lord will keep you. I pray that the Lord will lift you up. I pray that the Lord will lift you up, that you can feel his presence, that you can feel his love, that you can feel his grace, 
because he's in control. Because no matter what we're facing, and I'm saying that no matter what we are facing, with God, all things are possible. With God, we can overcome the situation. We may not like it. We may do it with tears, but God is faithful. You know, I appreciate you guys' prayers at the, for my family, uh, for what we've been going through. Um, my, my, my wife has, you know, she started dialysis this week, you know, that she's on her uh, second treatment right now. Uh, it has not been easy. It has not been easy, been very uh, stressful, very, very painful for her, you know. But God, but God, God is in control. God is faithful. God does not allow you to go through anything that you cannot handle. God already has equipped you to be able to handle it and move forward. You may not like it. You may not want to go through it. But you know what? Jesus says you will have trials and tribulations in this earth. For fear not, I have overcome the world. So if Jesus told us that he already overcame it, we can overcome whatever situation we face. But we have to have faith. We have to trust no matter what. We listen to God. You know, man can say what they want to say. But for me, I'm going to listen to the word of God. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord says that I have the victory. The report of the Lord says that we are more than overcomers. The report of the Lord says that I am healed. And I lack nothing. That's the report of the Lord. And that's what I speak over myself, over my family, over my wife, over my children. God is awesome. So we got to continue to focus on him and continue to rely upon him. Because great things are coming our way, my brothers and sisters. Great things are coming. And if we're facing a storm, that means something good is coming. Something good is coming. And I know freedom is in freedom is, is in operation right now. And I know that a lot of individuals are having all kinds of issues, you know. But guess what? The victory is around the corner. The victory is around the corner. The answer is around the corner. We just need to continue to hold on, continue to hold on to the Lord because he has us. He has us and he's making a way. He's making a way before you know it. You're going to have that victory. Before you know it, you're going to see that salvation. Before you know it, you're going to have that job. Before you know it, you're going to have that house that you've been praying about. Before you know it, those that have been running away from the Lord that you've been praying for many years are coming to the Lord. Why? Because he's the God of the breakthrough. And I believe breakthrough is coming to us. And that's why the pressure has been so high. Because breakthrough is around the corner. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I pray that you would just meet them right there where they're at. Strengthen them. Father God, if they need healing, Father God, I pray for healing upon their bodies from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, Lord God. I thank you, Father God, because there's nothing impossible for you. You are right there where they're at right now, Father. Touch them, Lord God. Touch them and fill them, Lord. I thank you for answer prayer. I thank you for answer prayer. And I thank you for answer prayer. Be with them. Keep them and guide them, Father God, until we meet again. And we ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen, amen. Keep your focus. Keep your focus. Keep your focus. The best is yet to come. And I hope that I'll be seeing you guys soon. God bless. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your weekend. God bless. Bye-bye.